John DeGarmo, leading international foster care expert, consult, and TED Talk speaker, is the author of several foster care books, including the new book, The Little Book of Foster Care Wisdom, 365 Days of Inspiration and Encouragement for Foster Care Families. His best-selling book, Faith and Foster Care, as well as the foster care children's book, A Different Home, A New Foster Child Story. He is the director of the Foster Care Institute and acts as a consultant to foster care agencies, as well as expert witness to legal agencies across the United States and the globe. Dr. DeGarmo and his wife are the recipients of the Good Morning America Ultimate Hero Award, the Up With People Everyday Hero Award, and the two were also honored with their city's Citizens of the Year Award. Dr. DeGarmo has been honored with a Hero of the Homeless Award, the Olivet College Distinguished Alumni Award, as well as Exceptional People Recipient. John, welcome to Fostering Our Faith podcast. Thank you for the opportunity. So you literally wrote the book, well, a lot of them, and 10, right? Is it 10 books? Working on my 12th book, actually. Wow. Okay. Um, all on foster care. And there are a lot of people who would be considered experts, but you definitely stand out. And every part of the Foster Care Institute is filled with just such lived experience. And you're in your 20 of your foster care journey? Uh, around there, yes. Mm -hmm. That's okay. Um, so how did you get into fostering? And tell us a little bit about the Foster Care Institute. Well... It was something I never planned on doing. It was something I never envisioned. In fact, I probably believed a lot of the myths and misconceptions associated with foster care. The kids are bad kids. That's far from the truth. Um, that the foster parents are weird people. That one's a little bit true. That's one's a little bit true. You got to be a little bit weird to do it because it's a it's a unique lifestyle. Uh, our, our our my uh, my wife's from Australia. We got married and lived over there. And our first child died of a condition called anencephaly, or some pronounce it anencephaly. It's a condition where the brain or skull never truly forms. And she was in labor for 92 hours. And it was at that point where I really turned my back on a lot of things. Um, years later, we moved back to the United States and we had three healthy children. And I was teaching in a rural school system in middle Georgia. And two things uh, really kind of led the discussion to fostering my wife. The first one was I had a student in my class who was pregnant with triplets. And I recognized that she was in no way prepared to care for these children, nor was the, the father of the children, because they were both, um, they both have mental health issues and they both came from neglect, uh, abusive families. Uh, the second thing was the community I was teaching in had a very, very large cult that um, had hundreds and hundreds of children who are victims of human trafficking is actually the Nawabian nation led by Dr. Malachi York. So I was seeing those kids in my classrooms as well. So I one day went to my wife and said, hey, you know, there's so many children who are struggling in my classroom, um, including the student who had pre pregnant triplets. So I said, well, you know, how can we help these kids? What if I brought some of them home? And my wife said to me, well, as long as you do the diapers, let me tell you, I should have listened to him because we went 20 years straight with at least one child in our house in diapers. We've had as many as seven at the same time in diapers. Um, none of those kids were able to come home with me, but that did lead to the discussion of foster parenting that led to uh, becoming foster parents. It led to my doctorate centered around foster care. It led to all the books, my TED talk, 
And now I'm uh, very, very driven daily to make the system a better one. And I travel the nation and globe uh, working with child welfare agencies trying to improve the system. Well, and that's when I watched your TED talk, I like you can feel like your your energy and just like how how passionate you are about this. And and it just like was one of those like breathtaking moments. I've watched a lot of TED talks, but this was this took the cake like this was it. Um, and and really because you're you're looking at it from all the angles. And I think that like, you know, when I and I myself included, when I first started foster care, even though I was in foster care, so you should I should have known better. But going into foster care is almost like, you know, like you said, you look at the birth parents and you're like, oh, you know, you can't get clean for your kids. And you have these assumptions. And then all of a sudden you meet these people and you're like, wait a minute, like you're just a human that's struggling. You know, you're just a human essentially that needs Jesus. And so it totally changes your focus on, you know, like what what the mission is. And it's no longer that I'm going to save this child. You know, now the mission is, okay, James 127, like we're going to be in this child's world. We're going to be in the birth mom's world. We're going to be in every, you know, caseworkers, judges, all of them, all along the line. We're going to be, we're going to be in their world. And so, um, and, and that's kind of what I, what I get from you is that it's not just about the kids. You know, it's not, it's about the entire team that's playing. You get that's it. That's so true. You know, many, many of the birth parents are struggling with their own anxieties and they never suffer from their own trauma and never got the professional help or therapy counseling sessions they needed in order to um, not only help themselves, but to care for their own children. So it's generational for so many kids. Oh, and I think I even said last podcast, two of our kids, um, their adoption worker was their parents' social worker. So, I mean, it's it's so multi-generational. Uh, it's, it's pretty crazy. Going into care, I went from total turmoil to like Bel Air, but I wanted my dysfunction back. That's what I wanted. Um, I, I didn't like the normal. It didn't feel right. It felt weird. Um, so do you feel that like children that you have cared for have the same kind of mentality that even though their home life may have been like horrific, they really would have stayed there gladly and in, and endured that essentially? Absolutely. It's their norm. It's their norm. I can provide the most stability, structure, consistency, safety, unconditional love but at the end of the day, I'm a stranger to these children. My house is a strange place. My family are strangers. They have many questions. It's a, it's a time of anxiety being placed into a foster care home, as you know. So many questions. Um, why am I here? When do I go home? When do I see mommy and daddy next? Does anybody love me? Did I do something wrong? Will these people hurt me? Will these people, can I trust these people? Um, so so despite all that we can provide for them, um, it's not their norm. And their norm might be abuse. Their norm might be neglect. And we all have that idolized vision of living with an idolized traditional family. And so many of those kids want that. Um, and, you know, it's their mommy and their daddy. So, yeah, sure, they want to go back home. Yeah, that that's exactly how I felt. Like, even living with my aunt and uncle who provided that security and, um, you know, I, I longed to go back to, you know, no regular bedtimes and you know, TV on all night, that kind of, that kind of thing. So, um, so let's talk about statistics. It's funny because the more people that I talk to about this, I find myself falling under statistics. Our last interview, I found out that like 75% of aged out youth have a child under the age of 21. And I was aged out and I had a child at 20 and I was like, there's another statistic. Um, so 
what do you find to be the most relevant topic that can be brought back over and over again? Like the one piece of conversation that you feel every foster family should know. Gosh, where do you begin? Where do you start? Um, foster parents have to be flexible. Uh, they've got to be patient. They've got to be understanding and compassionate. They have to recognize um, that children in care are gonna, most likely going to have issues of trust and attachment. I'm um, talking about statistics. The statistics are grim. 55% will drop out of school when they transition or age out of the system. 65% end up homeless, 75% end up incarcerated. You mentioned the pregnancy aspect of it as well. Uh, many of them run away to victims of human trafficking. Um, so it's it's those are grim statistics when the youth become older. So we as foster parents have to help prepare them for transitioning out or aging out of the system. Prepare them by teaching them important social skills, living skills, how to cook, how to prepare healthy meals, how to budget, how to open up a bank account, how to get a driver's license, how to interview for jobs. And that's what we try to do in our home. We try to try to help them the entire, uh, help to heal the entire person. Uh, and the Foster Care Institute, how did that come oh. about? Well, how did it come about? Um, you know, I finished my doctorate on foster care, and then I started getting a lot of speaking engagements. Is that throughout my my first book, Fostering Love on Foster Parents' Journey? And then I recognized that there was really no go-to place for all things foster care. Because when I was a foster parent, when I, when I first got my training, there wasn't a place where I could go, a one-stop resource that I could go that had what I felt was real-life experiences, you know. I think I bring two perspectives to to the trainings that I do. First, the first one is sure I bring all the data, the the statistics, the information, the studies, the research, and then I also bring the real life lived experiences of having sixty plus children in my home, of having as many as eleven kids in my house from age twenty seven year twenty seven hours old to eighteen years of age and everything in between. So I try to combine both. So that's what the foster care institute is. It's a place where people can go and get training and resources and licensing CEUs to find inspirational videos and webinars, to um, find podcasts, to get books. Again, kind of a one-shop stop for people who want to learn about foster parents, who are new foster parents, veteran foster parents, and everything in between. So faith is such an integral part of care for so many people. Right. How do you help people fight anxiety and depression over loss. Um, I know, like, I think about like our first one, it's funny, but it's not funny. We had him three days and I mean, granted he had been in care for six months, but our home finder came to our house and I was like, okay, so is he adoptable yet? And she was like, well, no. Right. And so like the next six, nine, 12 months were like filled with such anxiety because mom was getting him back, but really essentially we were the only family he knew. Um, right. So what are some tips on like, on fighting that that like arena that keeps popping up, you know, the, the fear. Well, you mentioned faith, 82% of foster parents in the United States say that they foster because of their faith or faith is a part of their foster journey. And that's why I wrote the book faith and foster care and the church in foster care to help those. I also believe that the next mission field for today's faith-based organizations is that of the foster care. We don't have to go out of the country to find a mission field when it's in every single community Many times it's in our own neighborhoods and backyards. Uh, you know, probably my most popular or requested training webinar that I do either online for agencies or in person is grief and loss for foster parents. We 
you you said it yourself. We cry when these kids leave our homes. We uh, because they're part of our family. In my house, there's no label. There's no biological or foster adopted. They're all my family members. They're all my children, and we give them that unconditional love. And then when they leave our homes, absolutely our hearts break. It's like losing a member of our family. It's like losing a child of our family, and and that's hard. A foster parent's heart's a lot like a quilt with all these patches over it. But I also think that's a gift. I think we're giving a gift of broken hearts to these kids because we might be, as a foster parent, the first person to ever cry tears of heartbreak for these children. Um, and they'll remember that. They'll remember that for some part of their life that someone loved them. So how do we help that? Well, you know, you've got to self-care. You've got to care for yourself. Um, another one of my request sessions is compassion fatigue or secondary traumatic stress, which many caretakers experience. I love that term, compassion fatigue. Fatigue, exhaustion from compassion, from caring so much. And that's what happens to foster parents as well. So we need to care for ourselves because if we can't care for ourselves, there's no way that we can care for the children who are needing all of us while they're in our homes. So how do you do it? For me, it's prayer to begin with. It's a support group. Foster parents have to have some sort of support group so they can laugh together, cry together, vent to each other, learn from each other, lean on each other. Um, some people might be journaling. Some people might be exercise, um, hobbies, uh, healthy diets. Those are a number of ways that we can uh, care for ourselves while we care for these children in crisis. I do a deep dive actually on all this in the book, The Foster Care Survival Guide, because if we don't care for ourselves, we can't survive. My job where I work, um, that is a huge, you know, the whole put the mask on your face before you put it onto your child's face, right? Like you have to be able to breathe yourself first. And then, you know, otherwise you're standing there struggling to breathe, you're gonna struggle to put their mask on. Um, so excellent, yeah, that's exactly right. Um, so you Are you an airline? Are you, do you work in an airline? Oh, no, no. No, I'm a family support specialist as, uh, for Agape Coalition. Oh, um, okay. we get, I'm like, thinking about all the plane trips I go to and you got to put your mask on first. Okay. <laughs> all right. No, just uh, just an analogy that we use at, at my job, when, like, you know, when talking with foster and guardianship and kinship families, you know, that are essentially drowning, right? Right. Because um, right. there are, right. you know, we have two special needs kids and we know the day to day can seem a little bit like Groundhog's Day. You know, when you wake up and it's the same behaviors and it's the same thing every single day over and over again. And it doesn't seem like tomorrow is going to be any different. So, you know, just um, and that's why we started our support group, especially was for foster families who were coming into this and, you know, are kind of blindsided, I would say. Um, you know, we weren't we weren't necessarily blindsided, but a lot of the things that came up in later years now were like, oh, like we need to talk to people who have done this. We need to, you know. Be in, be in the world of people who are familiar with this area because we don't know this area. Um, right. So, right. but um, so you mentioned that you had over 60 children. Um, wow. Okay. I mean, we had, we've had 20. Um, and to me, that's like staggering. And it was over like seven years. It was seven years. Um, our home is now closed. But um, out of these 60, give us like a great story that is going to push somebody who's like, eh, I don't know if I want to do foster care over the edge. Oh, there's so many, so many. The 14 year old boy that came to our house who was in charge of caring for his siblings um, and their house had no running water, no heat, no air, no plumbing, no food. You couldn't see the house in the, 
Couldn't see the floor in the house was covered in human and dog feces. Their clothes were stapled together. He was tough as nails because of all the abuse he went through. And on Christmas Day, when we gave him a, uh, um, he opened up a present, which was a leather jacket, and he asked if he could keep it. And we said yes, and he started crying because it was the first gift he ever got. The uh, 17-year-old girl that came to our house, I, I, I recount this story in the book, uh, Fostering Love. She, uh, she had been adopted by three separate families who all heavily abused her over the course of nine years. Heavily abused, a lot of sexual abuse. Um, and then when she came to our house, after the third adoptive family gave her back, um, she, as you can imagine, she had lots of issues of trust and attachment. Many, many issues of trust and attachment. And now she is a uh, caseworker. She's married to a wonderful man, has two beautiful children. And we're grandparents to those children. You know, how rewarding, how rewarding. You know, I, I think about when you have Christmas and we have so many kids come back to our house um, to spend time with us. Again, what a gift. Yeah, I mean, we, for whatever reason, the children that have passed through here have, aside from one, have really had light cases. Um, every single one of them have been more neglect- I would say, um, right. than, you know, heavy trauma, abuse, that kind of thing. And so we feel a little bit blessed on that side because it's, I'm an empath. Like I physically feel other people's pain, sorrow, you know, that kind of thing. So I don't know why I jumped into this. <laughs> I'm like just torturing myself over here. Um, but, you know, just the idea that there are, I just did a presentation at a school yesterday and I, you know, I, I stagger myself when I say almost 500,000 children, 500,000 right. children in care. Like we, we got to step up. We got to do better. We have to be there, you know, um, especially the church, especially the church. What's well, um, even more staggering is there are 5 million children in our nation, 5 million children who experience domestic violence in their own home every year, 800,000 children who are missing in our nation every year 300,000 children who are victims of human trafficking in our nation every year again all this points back to it happens in every single community and as you're right the government can't do it by itself it's time for the it's time for the the church to step up and recognize they have a part to play in this right and that's I'm, I'm so thankful when I went to our elder board years ago and was like, hey, I got this thing. They were like, do it like James 127. We, we're behind you. Like, let's do this. And um, and I mean, just so many other places. I know that's like the key, you know, the key verse that everybody pulls out. But for the most part, they were like, we're commanded to do this. We're commanded to be in the world of these kids. Right. You know? Right. Amen. Amen. So, um, OK, well, this has been an incredible conversation um and i feel like in a couple months i want i want to revisit this because i want to talk about your new book what do you know when it's when it will be out um no i don't we're actually finishing it up i'm i'm actually working with uh this is my first time i've co-authored a book this is with jen lily she's a celebrity actress you might know her from a lot of hallmark movies she's now with gac or soap operas i think she days of her lives and we partner a lot in a lot of things in fact we went to washington dc together to help with um foster care reform and so we're writing a book and we're in the process of finishing it up now we're speaking to a number of publishers who are interested in the book so not quite sure when it's going to come out yet all right i just actually authored a book and um i don't have it by me i just got like the book team copies you know and just opening it i was like oh you know like all that hard work like it's like here and in my hand um not it's not 
pub it's in publication now but um yeah like it, it takes you like whew, for me at least it like totally drained every time I would write I would feel like I just ran a marathon this has been a incredible conversation and like I said I want to have you on you know a couple months whenever your book comes out talk about your book and get it out there get it out to the public because I mean you have to know people have to know okay awesome well we will have all of your links up on our Instagram our Facebook um and I'll put them on the you know when I load up to the um to the podcast sites I'll put all of them on there so especially to the institute because I'm sure from the institute you can get to all the things right I saw like a menu a pull down menu with like the TED talk and your books and all that right um That's so right. yep if, if everybody goes there to the to the foster care institute um you will find a plethora of information that is just awesome especially for you new guys you know for you know or somebody that's questioning you know like what does this look like um you will find all kinds of information there so um but this has been an incredible conversation and um i am sure that we will reconnect again thank you so much for the opportunity Lord, I thank you so much for John and Kelly and the incredible work that they put behind the Foster Care Institute. I thank you that they are reaching the hearts of foster parents and foster children around the entire globe. I thank you so much for the wisdom that they impart. I pray that you keep them strong. We pray for their children and their children's hearts. And we ask this all in the mighty, mighty name of Jesus. Amen. <laughs>